Welcome back to TJ's Garden. Uh, it's been a little while, but this is episode 52. I've renumbered uh, the season so that I only have one season. So the last two episodes have been renumbered 50 and 51. This is 52. Uh, I'm probably not going to change the episode numbers, even though I have quite a few episodes that I am thinking of taking down or changing because the format of the show bounced around so much and some of them are little more than just me explaining what the show is going to be about. So I'm thinking um, what I'll do is when I have a little free time, I will do a like very special episodes that I will then replace old episodes with to keep the numbering consistent, give you guys a little more content and just generally to bulk up the show without actually taking anything down. Um, specifically, the things I'm definitely never going to touch is uh, the the uh, interviews. Those, those are some of my favorite things to do. I think I got a lot of useful information out of the people I talked to. Um, the one exception is I did an interview with, um, a gal from the, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name right now. I shouldn't just say a gal, but, but it was a, it was a very nice woman from the, uh, native seed search, uh, organization. And that interview got lost. <laughs> it was on my age six and then a bunch of stuff happened, uh, during the little hiatus I took and it got deleted. So I do not have a copy of that interview anymore. Um, I apologize to them, but quite frankly, I did not do a very good job prepping myself. I didn't know a whole lot about the specific person I was talking to. I just knew some general stuff about their program. And so I feel it wasn't really that good an interview anyway. Um, I think they deserve better. And in the future, maybe I'll do better and try and talk and do it again. Um, but anyway, that's that. Uh, so this episode, we're going to talk about the... I guess the pandemic. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to toss that word out too much because I know there are a lot of people trying to sort of make a quick buck on this or uh, convince people one way or another about various things, and that's that's not my goal. Um, the thing is, we're all kind of in this together uh, individually because <laughs> we we need to stay apart uh, so we don't spread this rather unpleasant disease. But one good thing has come out of it, and I would like to say hello to all the new gardeners. Um, combined with the fact that a good chunk of India got into podcasting not that long ago. So hello to new gardeners. Hello to India. <laughs> well, I guess there was a huge uptake in Indian podcasters uh, a while ago. Then, well, more specifically podcast listeners. Um, I don't need to say hi to new podcasters, but there may be more listeners out there. So with us all locked in, a lot of people decided to make their backyards look less horrible, uh, grow vegetables. And that is all good. Um, in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I'm doing to keep my sanity. Uh, the garden I've started um, to deal with initially just to be able to do some of the stuff I was doing at work with my daughter here at home. And then once I was, you know, uh, let go after some issues to do with the whole pandemic thing, <laughs> um, I it, it became more of a focus, just a routine, something for me to do every day just to keep myself together. So I'm going to talk about that. Um, I'm also going to talk about some very good reasons to start gardening right now and some very bad reasons to start gardening right now, or at least some unrealistic ones. Um, so actually, let's let's skip ahead and start with that, and then we'll go back to what I'm doing. Um, so very good reasons are it's you know, very good for your mental health. Um, gardening gives you a sense of accomplishment. You can make little goals each day and you know, accomplish those and, and feel like you've done something. Uh, you get flowers and, you know, fruit and little veggies and all the fun stuff. Uh, you get to kind of reconnect with the local wildlife and biology. You get to see birds and everything else. 
So there are a lot of good reasons, even if you're just indoor gardening, even if you're just sitting there by a window tending to plants or maybe taking up bonsai or whatever. Um, there is a lot of healthy, good stuff in that. So it is a very good idea to take up gardening right now to help you get through all this. But um, what I am not at all a fan of is that a lot of people are pushing a narrative that you can grow your own food to survive the to survive all this and that you know you're going to make a huge dent in your food bill and all this other stuff and that's just flat out not true um now it is not to say that it is impossible on a large suburban lot for somebody to make a significant dent in their food bill that actually is a possible goal especially if you set a realistic total for what you consider to be a dent you know if you want to Make yourself totally self-sufficient in salads, and you want to get your costs down to a point where the amount you're putting out to grow your, your salad greens is less than what it costs you to buy. Um, that may be possible, but it's going to take you several years to ramp up to that because you're going to basically have to develop your own food system. And it's going to take you um, some initial costs that you're going to have to amortize over the time you're gardening to get it down to a point where that you're actually profiting by this. Uh, but it is doable, especially if you have a good-sized chunk of land and you have a lot of freebies coming your way. If you have access to, like, municipal compost, um, in some places it is free. Here it's 20 bucks a square yard, which isn't much. Um, if you have access to that or, you know, arborist wood chips are a good resource, too. If you have access to a lot of free resources that help you sort of cheat your way around it, you can get the prices down. The problem is that uh, agriculture is pretty efficient. Uh, especially uh, when you get larger with it, you know, you get a lot of economies of scale. And there is, of course, government subsidies to think of. So overall, um, even though there is hidden costs with our food system, right, because the subsidies don't come from nowhere, they do come from tax money and that. And so if you actually, you know, figure out how much your taxes secretly goes to subsidies and factor that in, it still doesn't quite add up. But, you know, you, you get a bigger amount than what you normally pay for food. But even that's quite a bit lower than what you would actually be able to grow it at yourself because you're not operating at those levels of scale. Um, you do not have their systems and, you know, the resources that they have already set up and ready to go. And you aren't getting government subsidies to grow your own food. So it's a lot harder to bring that price point down for your own food to theirs. Another big problem with uh, trying to do grow your own as a way to survive, you know, something like this is there's a fairly long startup period to actually even get your plants going. Um, especially for me, I'll go over it a bit. I actually had some setbacks myself, but there's, there's the time it takes the plants to actually grow out before you even have food. Um, for actual, you know, gardeners who've been doing it for a while and who have their yearly cycle down, uh, your hungry months are usually in, early spring, right? Because you, you plant your stuff just after the frost. You have that window of around that time until the plants grow where you don't really have anything coming out. Uh, here in California, you can narrow that quite a bit because we have all kinds of crops you can grow most of the year round. Um, I've actually managed a couple of times to successfully uh, overwinter tomatoes without any kind of real season extension, just leaving them out. Uh, we didn't get a bad enough frost that year and they survived. I was picking tomatoes in winter. Uh, right in the middle of December, actually. So 
it is possible. It is a lot of work and trying to tell desperate people that this is going to be a solution for anything right now is ridiculous. It's also really ridiculous because our biggest problem with agriculture is the farmers are having to throw away food. Um, we don't have food shortages. We just don't have the places where a lot of that food used to go. And the systems designed to get food to schools and to, you know, uh, businesses, other places, restaurants, it's not the same process they use to get those same food items to consumers. And converting one to the other is a very pricey process. So it's, yeah, it's not that we, we don't have any real food shortages in the U.S. right now. Um, the, only, the only thing we've had are stocking issues. Um, when the stores had bare shelves for a while to, at the beginning of all this, it was because people rushed out and bought things quicker than these stores could restock them and get them back out on the shelves. Uh, the food was there. It was, it was at the distribution centers. It was, you know, the, the food existed. <laughs> it wasn't gone. It was just that it wasn't right out in front of people. So it looked bad, but yeah, we haven't really had that issue. So trying to sell this on the grounds that you're going to save people from this isn't, isn't even realistic. And it's not a good idea. Uh, you're going to burn a lot of people out on gardening if they think they have to grow all their own food day one. I don't grow food crops because I think I'm going to grow them cheaper than I can buy them at the store. I actually might be able to. I've been gardening for quite a while. If I had enough space, which I do not have, and if I had um, access to free or cheap resources to grow things, which I do not have because of my current living situation, <laughs> I could do it. Because I've been doing it for years. But to say that to somebody that, hey, I could do it, so could you, that's not true because they don't have my experience at growing these things. They don't have the trial and error. They don't have me growing a lot of things that never worked out in this climate and in this area to know that they don't grow here. Uh, they don't know what they can grow at what time of year. And it's not as easy as reading the seed packet because if you read the seed packets, everything should go in after the last frost. And... Real gardeners know that's not how you stagger out your plantings over the year. So it's not realistic. It's not why I grow. Um, I grow foods because they're things I can't find at the grocery store, right? I can buy a head of lettuce at a grocery store. I do not need to grow a head of lettuce. I can't buy the neat little red amaranth I'm growing, which is really tasty and I really enjoy it. Um, I can grow watermelons or buy watermelons, but I can't buy the neat little miniature sweet ones that you know the heirloom varieties that i want to play with i can't grow i can't buy tomatoes that are the weird little dwarf varieties i want to play with uh, i can't buy dwarf blue jade sweet corn at the store so i grow for the fun of actually having things that i couldn't normally have because grocery stores can't possibly stock everything and so that that's a big part of why I grow those. I also grow a lot of ornamentals. I grow flowers. Um, I grow plants that I just happen to find fascinating. Um, right now I'm growing, uh, growing a, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it's the blue uh, butterfly pea, which is technically an edible, but I'm not growing it as an edible. I'm just growing it for the pretty blue flowers and the fact that they can actually be used as a dye in liquids. Um, not quite as easy as you see on YouTube where people just dump a few in water and it instantly seems to turn blue. Uh, it takes a little while and some fiddling around to get to do that, but it does work. Um, and so that's, that's a big part of why I grow that. But anyway, yeah. So growing your own is a solution to the pandemic and food shortages that don't exist is not realistic and not a good idea. It's just a waste of your time. Um, growing to help with your mental health 
help you get through this, bring your family together, enjoy a little time outdoors, get a little sun, see the birds, see the bugs, learn a lot, um, growing to taste and enjoy exotic foods you couldn't otherwise get, growing beautiful flowers. There's nothing wrong right now. If you are bored out of your mind and you just want something to do, there's absolutely nothing wrong with buying exclusively ornamental plants and just growing a pretty garden that you enjoy. Um, just growing things that are beautiful to you or fascinating to you or just weird stuff. Uh, you, you can grow it and there's nothing wrong with that. It will help you through it just the same as growing food. So yeah, uh, that's how I feel about all that. Um, I, I've seen a lot of this being talked about online and so I, I have, I have fairly strong feelings. Um, but anyway, uh, let's move on to what I've been doing. Um, I got laid off, uh, due to the whole pandemic and I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm bummed about it, but I've kind of already moved on. Um, but the biggest problem for me is the likelihood I'm going to find a job anytime soon during this is, is pretty small. And so I'm just here 24 seven. And even though I have my daughters and I'm with them all the time, I still like at the start of this, I was losing track of time. I still am. Some days I have trouble remembering which day it is. Uh, it's just, it's become one big mess, but gardening has given me a schedule. It's given me goals. It's given me something to do. Um, I go out there and I see my, uh, gold nugget squash growing out and, you know, I see getting bigger each day and it's something, um, it's also keeping my skills good for when I do find the next job after all this has uh, at least gotten to a point where I can work again. So, yeah, uh, I started my garden actually in March and I started it to basically do the things I was doing with uh, kids at work with my own daughters. Uh, I have a toddler who has uh, moderate autism, at least that's what she's diagnosed with right now. And it, it's really helpful for her to spend time outside. Uh, when she's cooped up inside, she gets really anxious. She has issues. I get her outside and she's, she's a completely different kid. So I, I planted the garden to do things out there with her, which didn't pan out that much because she really enjoys being outside and she really enjoys the flowers I planted, but she just isn't that much into actually working. She's three. She's, you know, it's not something I was expecting her to do too much heavy lifting on this. Um, I will, I will gradually, as time goes on, introduce her to more and more of the gardening if she is interested, but I I'm doing a lot of it. And honestly, after I got laid off, it became my main thing. And it's kind of weirdly time because when we started, I bought a ton of uh, steer manure mixed with compost. So it's a bagged product I can get at the local hardware store. And I started in that. But one thing that many, many gardeners are aware of, and you're probably already feeling what I'm going to get to here in a second, is that sometimes those things can contain uh, quite a bit of herbicide because some of the persistent herbicides can pass through a horse or cow's digestive system and come out the other end. And so I think there may have been an emergent herbicide in there because I had the hardest time direct sowing seed. I did it roughly three times. And honestly, a lot of them never really took. I got a few things here and there, but I didn't really get the garden 
up and running until I turned some of those beds over, mixed that with the soil to kind of dilute things. And then I got a little greenhouse so I could start plants in there, get them up to a decent size and put them in the ground. And then they were sort of past the point where whatever was there would affect them. Um, I think it's mostly gone now. The soil still crusts pretty hard, which isn't ideal. Um, I think as time goes on and I mix it more with the soil and things like that and I amend it, it'll get better. I also put a thick layer of straw over everything um, and that's helping as well. So now uh, the garden looks much more like a garden. I have gold nugget squash. I have zucchini. I have watermelon plants going. No fruit on those yet, but they're getting there. Uh, I have so, uh, another crop of cucumbers going right now. Uh, no fruit on those yet, but I did just finish up two cucumber plants that I took out and I got like, I want to say about a dozen cucumbers off of those. So that was nice. Um, I have some amaranth growing, which I'm growing as a hot weather green. Uh, since here we get in the hundreds and lettuce and spinach don't really do that well in full sun here. So the amaranth will grow in that heat. And this is that variety with the uh, green leaves and the red down the middle. Um, and it's actually really good. Uh, I, I've just been eating the basically the coals. Uh, I planted I planted the bed fairly densely. And then I've been taking out little rows of it to sort of thin uh, and those have become salad greens. It's basically microgreens. And then as they get bigger and taller, I'm going to start taking the bigger, fuller leaves individually. Um, and then eventually, I'll let the, the last couple of them grow and give me some seed for, for next year. But also to eat, because amaranth seed is edible. Um, so I can get two crops out of that, so that's kind of fun. Uh, I did start some temporary beans. Uh, if you're not familiar with those, those are actually a... Uh, bean that's indigenous to the to the southwest region. Uh, tribes out here grew those for hundreds of years. <laughs> they grew them actually mo more in the Arizona area because they are very good at dealing with the sort of uh, really dry climate most of the time, but then the weird monsoon that Arizona gets. Uh, you could plant temporary beans during the monsoon, and they actually have long tap roots that will follow the water down uh, as the water table sort of recedes. And then they will survive on that water table through the rest of uh, the heat. So they don't need any additional irrigation. At least that's the idea. Uh, in my case, I'm growing them in a bed that I will probably not water them directly anymore. Uh, they're already fairly established. They have true leaves coming up and everything. Uh, they all have adult foliage on them. So I'm probably not going to water them again directly. But they will get some water because the beds immediately around them get regularly watered. I've also got uh, some Job's Tears. Those are those little grains. Uh, well, they're fairly large balls that actually make a natural bead because they have a hole running through them uh, as part of their reproductive process. So you can actually run a needle through the middle, uh, through that pre-existing hole, and then just thread them up into a string. So that's kind of cool. I've got two of those going. I planted a lot more, but most of them never came up. So I've got those going. Got a lot of dwarf tomatoes going. Um, I'm actually reaching out to the folks at the Micro Dwarf Tomato. It's uh, tomato-talk.com, I believe, uh, is the form. I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, I also have a call-in number if you have any questions about the show, uh, any questions or anything you just think I, I've gotten wrong that you want to correct me on or whatever. Um, you could call the show as well. Those That'll be in the show notes. And uh also, you can review the show over at Podchaser. But anyway, uh, I've got temporary beans going. Um, what else do I have going? Uh, corn. Uh, I've actually already gotten a crop of uh, 
Atomic Orange Corn. I really like that one because it's a dwarf variety. It only gets about four feet tall. And I didn't get the best pollination on it. There are big empty spots on the cobs, but it did pretty well uh, considering the small patch I grew. So I'm actually using them now as a sort of natural trellis for some uh, yard-long beans that are growing on them. And so I'm hoping to get a decent harvest off of those. We'll see how the how the corn stands. Um, I know that we all think of it like in the Three Sisters things. You grow up the living corn. And these did start with the living corn. But uh, as I've become aware, the, the, the earlier version of this from uh, Mesoamerica, they actually wait until the corn's harvested and then grow up the existing uh, corn stalks. But because this is a dwarf variety, I don't know if it's going to be stable enough for that. So we'll see how that works out, especially since obviously yard long beans is not a new world crop at all. It's from uh, Southeast Asia, so it's not even it's not even the right kind of bean for this, but I'm just playing around with it. If I don't get a whole lot, I'm not that worried about it, but um, I've already decobbed all the corn. It's sitting in a bag drying out. And I've already started another crop of dwarf blue jade corn. Uh, that one is a edible sweet corn variety that I've grown before. They only get about two to three feet tall. They get really small. So I've got those actually going in grow bags. I have two five-gallon grow bags, and I just started them, so I'm waiting for them to come up. Uh, but they should do pretty well. I also have a purple variety of uh, sweet potato in bags. Uh, one of the few crops that came up when I initially planted it, uh, I had a purple potato uh, and those came up and we actually, uh, I had those with my family a while back when they finished up. So those were really good. I didn't save any for replanting though, because they didn't do that well. Um, we got sort of a minimal crop out of them. It was enough for us to have, you know, one good meal with them, but uh, it really wasn't much more than that. So I don't think I will be, I, well, I may grow that variety again, but I will definitely wait until my soil's sort of more sorted out. But yeah, I have a purple sweet potato going, and those are starting to take off. Those are also in a grow bag. Uh, all the dwarf tomatoes, with the exception of three of them, are in grow bags. And uh, none of my indeterminate tomatoes are grow bags. I'm only growing a few cherry-type indeterminates. Um, I'm growing three yellow pear and then two Galapagos wild tomatoes, because I, I, I really like those varieties, and there isn't an equivalent in dwarf form that I could grow. So I'm just growing the full size ones. Um, but yeah, those are fun, especially the Galapagos wild tomatoes. The foliage sort of has a lemony smell. Um, and the tomatoes are just sort of little savory, sweet kind of, I, I don't even know really how to describe them. I mean, they taste like a little cherry tomato, but they're a little more, they have a little more of a savory quality to them. Um, somewhere between something like a really good, say beef steak and a really sweet little cherry tomato. Um, so I, I really enjoy them. I've grown them for a couple of years now. Um, so I've got those going. I've got the yellow pears going. I've got a few eggplants. I really tried to grow a lot of uh, insanely hot peppers this year, but I had really, really bad luck getting those to germinate. So I've started up some more. I have a few that just have a couple of leaves going in the greenhouse. I'm waiting for those to get a little bigger, and then I'll pot those up. I do have one um, apocalypse pepper that's in a pot. So I'm really waiting for that one to get big enough to start giving me some fruit. Cause that should be really interesting. <laughs> like melt your face off. Interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Um, but anyway, that's what I've got going. Um, and it's really helping 
kind of pass the time and and keep keep me gardening keep me active out there seeing things i'm seeing the change i'm seeing the beneficial insects start to show up uh dealing with all the little green worms eating holes and everything so it's it's definitely helping me and that's kind of the goal of gardening so um i think this is gonna be a shorter one because i don't have a lot more to say and i don't want to keep rambling um, I was going to talk a little bit about some of the crazy stuff I've seen in Facebook forums, but I think I'll, I'll save that for another episode. Uh, but anyway, this has been TJ's Garden. Check the show notes for the phone number if you want to leave me some voice feedback. Uh, I may use it on the show if it makes sense to do so. Uh, you could also just uh, follow the contact info on the website and get back to me that way. And you can always leave me a review on Podchaser, and I would definitely appreciate that. Also, if you want to uh, mention my show on your own show, if you're also a podcaster and it's a gardening show, uh, let me know and we can kind of trade promos or something. Anyway, this has been TJ's Garden. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. I really appreciate all the listens while this thing was on hiatus. Uh, seeing them pop up in my weekly thing uh, was a bit of a pick-me-up during a time when I was debating doing it at all so yeah uh, that's all i got for now i will see you next time get out in your garden and enjoy it